Hey folks and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, on both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing The Hobbit from 1977, directed by Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr., Conan the Barbarian by John Milius, Dungeons and Dragons, the 2000 version by Courtney Solomon, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, and finally, Tetris, directed by John S. Baird. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? How's it going, Tom? Uh, it's going okay for me. How was your week of movies, man? Uh, fantasy-filled week. Uh, some nerdy shit. Some nerdy week. stuff. You surprised me on one of them, for sure. Was, yeah, The yeah. Hobbit, the, I was, it brought a smile to my eye when you did The <laughs> Hobbit in 1977. Yeah, yeah. I, that was a rabbit hole, too, finding out about all the different animated ones. I, I, I knew there were like animated ones out there, but... Uh, but yeah, this Hoppet one was a was a trip for sure. Uh, the logic being, at least for those first two, I wanted to kind of get films that in some way represent the foundations of what Dungeons & Dragons was first created with. Obviously, Tolkien, you know, I mean, he's he's the father. He's huge of, for that. Yeah, modern fantasy, basically. Well, see, Conan the Barbarian surprised me with that then. Yeah. I didn't realize there was things pulled from that. Yeah, uh, so Conan was uh, a, a comic serial running since, like, the 1930s or so. Okay. Uh, one in, in Weird Tales, where a lot of different uh, authors and uh, IPs came from. Uh, and honestly, from what my research was, Conan the Barbarian was one of, like, the first uh, influential factors to, like, original, original. D&Ds for these tabletop games. So. so when did you you played a little bit of Dungeon and Dragons? Oh yeah, in your yeah. Time. I am a D&D nerd. <laughs> what, when did it start? Like when did when was the game formed? Uh, I want to really? say uh, late seventies was like first edition. Okay, uh, maybe 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 that's too old. Uh, we might be just going to early eighties. Uh, but, but early eighties uh, was when you see like maybe actual competitions. Sprouting up and things like things like uh, that, or? not necessarily competitions, but just uh, D and D groups. Uh, basically, you know, having a dungeon master. Uh, we're right, getting we're right. getting some knee deep nerdy stuff. Here. Yeah, we're not deep yet. <laughs> basically, a dungeon master uh, uh, setting up uh, the scenario for right. players yeah. of the tabletop game to basically role play and, and find their way through. Uh, it's been running ever since. Now on fifth edition and going strong, and clearly, you know, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro is so, the companies behind. That's D&D. what su- the edition thing surprises me. Oh yeah, because I thought so much is like imagination created, <laughs> and you set your own. Like if you're yeah. the dungeon master or whatever, 
you set your campaign with whatever group you're playing with. Yep. So, like, I don't even understand the additions. Sure. Uh, like, added rules? Uh, uh, better rules. Uh, more okay. clear-cut rules. Okay, uh, right. Better designed rules. More player-friendly rules. You know, that's primarily the markers of the different editions of D&D. Okay. Uh, so much so that the fourth edition, even just being one edition to go, is, you know, referred to as one of the most confusing versions of D&D. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, when it comes to that, these movie choices, I wanted fantasy. And honestly, I really don't regret either of them. Uh, Hobbit okay. was a weirdo a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's jump right into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was when you texted me, surprised me. I have never really seen this all the way through. Yeah. So I went back and watched some clips of it actually, sure, sure. And, and kind of went through a little bit. But this is 1977's The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. It's animated, and one thing I did not know when I had watched it in the past, mm-hmm. it's a it's a Rankins and Bass yeah film. And yeah. Rankins and Bass are the people who did the Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Frost. Jack Frost, Rossi the Snowman, like those classic stop motion stuff, stuff that like definitely has a soft spot for me. Yeah, yeah. Growing up with, and they also did The Hobbit. Yeah. Which Which is is like, (laughs) why? Okay, sure. (laughs) So let's get into it. It is The Hobbit. It's a. It's it was an hour and a half, which is also shocking. An hour and a half TV special came out on NBC. Yep. Let's get into it a little bit. How did you like it? Uh, I I liked it a lot. Uh, this, This was a fascinating watch for me because. Uh, I couldn't help but play the comparison game of mm-hmm. does one movie equal three <laughs> for for Peter Jackson, like you introduced. Um, you know, this directing duo comes from a lot of TV movie fame and those those classic rerun you know Christmas movies. They will both go on to uh, direct Return of the King in 1980 after the famous artist. Ralph Bakshi takes a shot at creating a cartoon Lord of the Rings in 1978, one year after this, and a final notable work of both of their careers being 1982's The Last Unicorn, a, a definitely a gem of non-Disney animation, okay. uh, which I would love to cover sometime. Uh, and animation is where I want to start with this one. Yeah. Um, the look of this film belongs to the much rougher style of the 70s and early 80s a- animation. Personally, I've always found this era to be very ugly, like very just like gross to look at. Um, really? It, yeah. It's a little weird. And it's different because it's not so much of those Christmas claymation stuff or the yep. stop motion things. Right. The anime, it's a Japanese company that a- did the animation as oh, well. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's interesting that you say gross or something like that. <laughs> it's, I think they're like intentionally ugly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it is rougher though. Everything yeah, is rougher yeah. drawings. It's, it's rougher coloring and yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And folks at home, you know, understand this is all pre Don Bluth. This is certainly before Disney Renaissance in the nineties. Uh, I'm talking anime movies or animated movies like Fritz the Cat, Heavy Metal, Wizards, but probably the most mainstream application of this style is of course Schoolhouse Rock. You know, yeah. if, if you really have to pinpoint that, I don't think anything, and Schoolhouse Rock is then early 70s, but I think that's defining a lot of alternative non-Disney animation at the time, and this Hobbit movie is definitely a, uh, a byproduct of that. So, the style, if I have to describe it, if, if it's not, if these examples aren't bringing a, a, you know, a good image to mind, uh, it's, I think it's really just defined by awkward shapes to characters and often very odd movement animation as well. I would just kind of describe it as a little bit of lack of polish, but that lack of polish is exactly why I want to see this film, because if anything, the Jackson Hobbits were so plug-and-play from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I really was excited to see, okay, let's just 
no no even reference material. They're just going off the book. The going Hobbit. off the book. Yeah. 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 So what do they come up with? So and surprising, there's a lot of comparisons in ways that you can see from yeah. back then to what they pulled for the movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So the Hobbit is, of course, the children's tale Tolkien wove together around the land of Middle Earth, and instead of a <laughs> naturally stretching it into three blockbuster movies, I'm looking at you, Jackson. Uh, <laughs> it is in one tight package, uh, much like the book. Uh, more so than anything, I was fascinated to see a different take on Middle Earth itself, especially since Peter Jackson sways the stylistic vision of the franchise so heavily, in a good way. I yeah. mean, our, our, our Lord of the Rings special is was was a delight to watch those films. Yeah. But he, you know, he has defined visually what we associate with Middle Earth. So that was, you know, this being animated, that being, you know, a, a kind of a fantasy background. That's where I was coming into a lot of interest when watching this film. The story here is identical, covering the entirety of The Hobbit from Bilbo Baggins reluctantly departing the Shire to the journey to reclaim the dwarves' lost gold from Smog the Dragon. And I can happily say in an hour and 30 minutes is plenty of time to tell this story. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of awkward jumping around from story to story. It, it it covered the bases. I was just like, no oh, man, why did those need to be three movies? It does cover it. It's <laughs> yeah. it's it's shocking. Yeah. You you wouldn't expect it. You would expect it to be I don't know, kind of looser or <laughs> yeah. just gloss over things. But sure. when I was like again, I didn't watch the whole thing, but watching it, I was like, This is impressive. This is getting some information across. Yeah. This is getting this is hitting the things it needs to in the books. Yep. Yep. Um and like even in the beginning, it gets going and covers the stuff, the same things that Jackson's movies do- does. Yeah. Which is better. Just quick, right. well, quicker. <laughs> yeah, 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 quicker, quicker. Certainly no uh, weird 60 frames per second, you know, right. awkward problems. <laughs> if yeah. anything, the visual presentation of both of these kind of have interesting problems. But interesting uh, on, on the animated side, uh, this Hobbit has a lot of music. We, of course, get the dwarven singing, but also a soundtrack of a lot of narrating lyrics kind of constantly talking over scenes. Um, I can't say it's great, but the musical styling are all over the place too we get a lot of kind of generic fantasy music harp stringing uh then there's also like a, a jim croce folk song uh <laughs> and then to the extreme uh the goblin sequence it has like goblin disco there's like a straight up goblin goblin disco <laughs> drum beat behind it you know hi-hat heavy and everything so <laughs> it's it's out there it's definitely a product of the 70s we've talked about this almost like how we can talk about you know the the campiness of the 90s or the over the topness of of 80s this music this grooviness of the 70s especially late 70s is on display here also couldn't understand why they call bilbo burglar the entire film <laughs> they just call him burglar uh, like they don't call yeah. him bilbo and uh, yeah he's under like a you know an agreement with the dwarves but it's just always calling him burglar i just felt it was just an odd choice like uh, I, no i think that's i think that's more to the text yeah yeah. D- does he not get uh, that buddy buddy with the dwarves? No, or? he does. But they're not saying that like they're not necessarily saying burglar in such a bad way. Right. But it's more so like that is his. That's his job. role. That's they say that's his position. <laughs> kind of. They definitely do. And then they 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 send him off and it's go. Like, they go go burglar burglar. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of how it is. Yeah, it's like me being on the job site. No one knows my name. They just say painter. They just scream painter, and they know someone's going to come. Right. Right. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's actually pretty more closer to text. Not yeah. that Bilbo isn't used in text. Of course it is yeah. in the book. But yeah, burglars used a lot. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Another kind of, uh, again, I, I don't know what to encapsulate these criticisms. Just odd choices, I guess. Uh, also, whenever Bilbo puts on the ring, it puts on like this slide whistle sound effect, <laughs> which is so drastically different yeah. of what that ring represents. And I, I definitely understand in The Hobbit, it's not supposed to have the gravity. It's supposed to be kind of almost back of the mind as far as the one ring. But uh, but yeah, there's just this slide was like, whoop. Yeah, it's very time. Rankin and Bass, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Meant for kids. For exactly. Sure. A kiddish tone to it. Yeah. Which The Hobbit was intended to be a kid's book. It was yeah. written as a kid's book. Absolutely. But it is funny to see after knowing that what we have. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny to go back to this for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so silly. Uh, but you really do make a great point, and, and that's what I'm walking away with this film with, uh, is that... Uh, you know, this is a great depiction of the children's tales that The Hobbit is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yeah. not into that serious stuff. On a big positive, Gandalf is amazing in this. He feels like a total weirdo, but also a true otherworldly wizard. Um, <laughs> right from the start, too, he just steals scenes, much like Ian McKellen. <laughs> like, he's just, and I guess that's just proof that he really is just a phenomenal character. Yeah, yeah. Gandalf, Gandalf will also, you know, get some specific praise animation-wise as well from me. His warning to Bilbo in the beginning has this awesome lightning effect that comes over mm-hmm. it, which yeah. made me wonder, like, that shadow effect that we see in when when it's used in The Lord of the Rings, yep. it's also ripped off in, in Jackson's Hobbit. If they they pull that, if they if there's different interpretations of Gandalf's like kind of eminence, his uh his his presence. Yeah, when he um, kind of does that, I don't want to say party trick, but when he yeah. when he does that and there gets like most people would know it in the Fellowship of the Ring where yep. he gets angry with Bilbo. Yep. In the Hobbit hole, kind of, and, mm-hmm. and that dark storm and everything like that. Again, detailed in the books. Yep. Like, detailed in the book, so it is a thing. Did they pull it from the film? Did they just go from the text? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny though. Again, to see the parallels. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just enjoyed a lot of the, a lot of the uh, different presentations. Uh, and, and honestly, in my opinion, the greatest moment of the film is when Gandalf uses his sword, Glamdreen, which is animated in such a blinding light it's it, it really switches it up visually and uh, just has some great it's just a great moment in the in, in the That's short cool. film you know again my going back to that special my praise for the lord of the rings universe is that there is magic of course but the magic is always i don't know it's tied to something not earthly but it's tied to elements around the magic wheel like interwoven within the nature and, mm-hmm. and the earth itself yeah yeah yep. definitely and uh this scene is a great example of that so it's just really that, uh, on a high that's cool that. i didn't know that that they kind of like make lamb drink a little bit more special yeah that's yeah. cool because like they sh- that sword should be treated <laughs> absolutely that way. Like, it's like big history behind yeah that thing. yeah cool uh there's a there's there's a lot of good moments there and 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 again all of this is in credit to the original text too uh the dwarves on the other hand are so revoltingly ugly yeah, there's some that are just weird <laughs> like the forehead I, design i know what is it <laughs> no idea. they're not klingons like they're <laughs> like what is this they do look like little klingons um it, it just made me 
laugh uh, so much the entire time that Warner Brothers was trying to make one of them hot and have a love interest as well. That where like yeah, in yeah, this yeah. depiction is like no, no. <laughs> some are shorter than Bilbo. You know, it's it's terrible. Uh, but I, I think I bring this up because if if this is going to be an example of what I mentioned with this late seventies, early eighties uh, animation, uh, you know, the dwarves is what I would point to. So, like I said, uh, you know, this movie tells all three of Jackson's Hobbits in one cartoon and honestly does a decent job at it. I would say it's hard for me to judge the missing pieces that might be skipped over in the hour and 30 runtime, but it makes up for it in pacing. I think there is a give and take um, that the pacing was snappy. We we're just moving on and to, to little story and little segment to segment. So I think in a world where the new movies don't exist, this captures The Hobbit for what it truly is, a fantasy bedtime story. We're going to go ahead and give The Hobbit 1977 a 65. Wow. Okay. That's. <laughs> I would have lost all my money. That I bet. <laughs> really? You thought yeah. much lower or much higher? Yeah. Again, because I, I, I have seen part of it before in the past and just kind of returning to it a little bit this yep. week. It's really long to watch that kind of animation style. Mm, true. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. You think of the Rake into Bass Christmas stuff, which like these stories are, are 15, 20, half an hour, mm-hmm. maybe 40 minutes, some mm-hmm. of them. They're much shorter, and especially with this animation style, it's just a long time to be watching something like that. I thought this would have been doomed for the 30%. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So I love oh, that. Wow. I'm shocked that you liked it this yeah, much. Yeah, no, I thought it was a good time. That's I mean, awesome. again, like I let off with, not the prettiest cartoon, yeah. but <laughs> it's kind of ugly, but there, there was a lot done to the, to tell the Hobbit. And I, I don't know. I mean, if anything, I was saying, do I really put this higher than some of the Hobbit films? And I, you know, I mean, especially that last one, yeah. I think so. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Battle of Five Armies. I mean, that's, that's flat. That's nothing, you know. That was a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, okay, sixty-five for the animated Hobbit of seventy-seven. So that's so cool. Uh, <laughs> had a budget for three million dollars as well. Really? Yeah. I wonder if there was ever any talk of returning to this TV special where an hour and a half. Yeah. Special. You know, they tried to do it with Star Wars, like the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, sure, which sure. Is like legendary. Yeah, joke. yeah. <laughs> but uh, very cool. Okay. Uh, so check it out. Was it easy to find? By the way, uh, very easy on HBO Max. So, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should have Yeah, but well, because uh, yeah, Warner Brothers owns the uh, own. Oh, Lord duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, we'll see if we go to the Ralph Bashke Lord of the Rings, and then they return for ter- Return of the King. Um, you're gonna I, be yeah. You're gonna be you're teaching me now. Yeah, on some of the early stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love for us to both watch it, but it, it's almost it feels like we should have. Put that in the special yeah, in some way. You literally, know? maybe this Hobbit should have went in the special. Yeah, yeah, but you know, hey, it is what it is. So uh, yeah, we'll, t- we'll crack at it. Though. Interesting, uh, interesting little you know uh, sections of, of of a film industry. I mean, these TV movie, these are animated directors that you know, big time uh, directors, yeah, doing yeah. big time story, exactly. But wouldn't really cover in a normal circumstance because of that TV movie aspect. So that that, that excites me a little. Yeah, bit. and what's cool, what's crazy to even think that this came out in in the seventies, mm-hmm. which was a approaching 50 years ago yeah you know when this came out in 77 it was already 45 years after the book came out <laughs> right or something right. around that 45 44 years yep crazy but okay all right so that was 77 let's move on to 1982's conan the barbarian we're now in rated r two hour plus <laughs> with our boy arnie and uh how was how was kind of getting into conan barbarian and maybe 
give us those bridges <laughs> to this and Dungeons and Dragons if you could a little bit. So yeah, yeah. So uh, an original inspiration source for D and D, and and I I don't know this for sure. That came from a little bit of research. Uh, obviously, Conan is a very old fantasy IP, so it makes sense uh, that it would play into. You know, designing a, a tabletop game around an adventuring party, uh, fighting monsters. You know, what I mean that that's that's kind of foundational stuff there. It's uh, it's interesting though because I've never seen these movies, uh, despite this being one of you know Arnie's most famous, uh, right. one of earliest as well. So, the original Conan was found in the fantasy and horror pulp fiction magazine Weird Tales, and uh, a, a very long running history. Conan has a rich world that lends itself to great lore building and i would say and i believe pretty strongly especially after this week lore building world building that is a key component to great fantasy we're we're establishing a dictionary action it's location (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi it's tech fantasy i think it's the lore building it's getting enveloped in the world and i think conan has a lot that it's pulling from itself to create its kind of blended fantasy uh, barbarian world. Hmm, okay, so, yeah. Uh, our introduction our introduction to Conan uh, and who he grows up to be is fantastic. This story has a nice build-up to see why he is a legend and what choices shape the hero. I would say this is best summarized in the quote. Uh, Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. I wasn't going to do the Arnie impression. I was trying it all day. I wasn't going to pull it out. But that's a great quote. And honestly, Conan's journey eventually does kind of slot into a typical revenge tale. But uh, seeing him grow, you know, it's exactly why I like Fellowship the most, just going back to Lord of the Rings. I like the rising action. I like mm-hmm. getting to know who we are and and a couple challenges of who our her- heroes are. And this movie, this first Conan, is so good for that reason. It's also not too dissimilar from 2022's The Northmen. A lot of the mythos, a lot of the the lore. Um, That's I was, an interesting comparison, yeah. Yeah, and especially how it boils down to a revenge plot, ultimately. Yeah. So ah. um, it was interesting watching this uh, post-Northmen. Uh, that rising action, though, it shows Cronin grow into much more uh, of a fleshed out and a a highlight of fantasy fantasy pro- protagonists, fantasy heroes, and uh, I think I, I really did enjoy so much of what this film has as kind of a, a start to the story. As one of the earliest roles for Arnold, uh, it is incredible to see him take shape as well. Nearly every scene you see him having a good time. He's he's smiling. <laughs> he's, he's he's having a great time on set. At first, I kind of wrote it down. I was like, why is this guy smiling so much? Uh, I. <laughs> wrote down kind of as a criticism but by the end he felt so alive it really felt like the character was alive uh there was a simpletonness to conan that he was just having a fun time hacking heads off and i don't know i kind of liked it for that I, reason what's weird is i can see arnie selling that too yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> just being him yeah oh yeah he's got he gets Especially so like early many 80s falls he's too. just like yeah. <laughs> it's great it's a soundboard for arnie for sure <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I just think that the seeds of his stardom are, are really set in a good way here. He's, of course, acted in things before Conan, but I, I think everyone will agree that Conan really is the first big mark for Arnold. Yeah, 82 is pretty early for him. Yeah, yeah. When does Terminator come out? Uh, 84. Okay, yeah. And then also same year as Conan the Destroyer, which is a sequel to this. Okay. So, But yeah, still early, uh, maybe not earliest, though. Above all else, I think, and like I alluded to a little bit uh, you know, in the beginning of this, I, I think this seriously works in creating a wonderful fantasy world that is interesting to explore and not copied or imitated. I would describe this as low fantasy, as there's very little magical or mystical a- aspects to it. And it gives the audience such a cool mix of nomadic Viking and Mongolian styles to kind of make a barbarian world, which I feel is different than a that's lot of cool. fantasy. Yeah, that's you pretty know? cool. It, it's yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it, and you I'm know. surprised. I just thought this was always more cheesier. Than, than what I'm getting from you from it. Because I've never seen it. There are some jokes, but again, it's kind of tied into Conan and his crew having a good time. Right, right. Not following any rules and just killing who they want to kill. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I wish the Northmen had more fun like this, honestly. So. It's that lore building that is so solid. And, and, and like I said earlier, I, I think it's key to why this works as a good fantasy and its own IP. My favorite being the Enigma of Steel, uh, connected to Conan's god, Krom, uh, showing how men are given purpose by the blade. I really did enjoy that aspect there. Uh, and I'll probably be stealing it for maybe a okay. D&D campaign in the future. <laughs> Enigma of Steel. That's just a great. <laughs> Let's talk about some good campiness. James Earl Jones introduces introduced as our villain Thulsa Doom, a heretical leader with a ridiculous haircut. If you can, you pull up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got you it. see this. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking at it. <laughs> Who did that to my man? Who did that? <laughs> it's a bit silly, but I'm always happy to see Darth Vader as other bad guys, and he really does a great job. His introduction is an amazing scene. Um, he basically is beheading the people of Conan's tribe without any expression on his face. He just has these <laughs> these after-effect uh, blue eyes, a goofy haircut, and he's just beheading people. And I, I love it. I love it. I thought it was like a wonderful scene. And talk about a dynamite introduction to a villain. To a villain, yeah, yeah. definitely. Also, a brief but solid role for uh, Max von Sydow as uh, King Osiric, uh, similar to him kind of acting in Flash Gordon two years earlier, which in itself is a serial comic, uh, you know, old IP. So mm-hmm, yeah. um, uh, I enjoyed seeing him here in this and, uh, you know, maybe maybe further exploration of what they were doing in the 90s uh, to, to dive more into these other IPs. I don't know how many are there, you know. I guess Tintin's one of them. I don't know. <laughs> That's interesting. We can go <laughs> through know, that. These like th- old pre pre comic book, right? You right. Know, you know, uh, little little magazine things. So <laughs> we get a great soundtrack and score. Very brassy, very glorious. Set design and costume is fantastic. Specifically, armor and helmets. Let me tell you. I was in love with the armor here, especially we we were talking off off the podcast not too long ago about some of the um, some of the extra and some of the armor design and rings of power. Yeah, how that was a little disappointing. Yeah, man, uh, this this couldn't be an opposite example of that. I that's, mean, like, that shocks me, honestly. Yeah, 
I don't know. Shocking me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> just thinking, it's a Schwarzenegger action. Yeah, they're in costumes, running around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of cool to hear. Uh, but it was it was really good. So uh, I would say combat is decent. This is really going to be where this eighties and no less early eighties ness mm, is kind of yeah. worn on its shoulder. I, I don't know if the choreography uh, was really stellar. However, I did love the gore. It might look a bit cartoonish in spots, but the splashes of blood and the multiple headings was just so much fun to watch uh, and it was it was such a, you could tell it was such a fun production if anything sold by arnold grinning as he, <laughs> as he gets blood splashed on his face <laughs> hacking into someone you know i i i think uh it w- it captured some of the chaoticness of his character being a barbarian and that gore was right there to meet it uh like i said i i you know this is very 80s. I, this has been a very raving review so far, but it is a very, very 80s movie, so much so that I would say a lot of people could be turned off by this for how 80s it is. I mean, uh, from dated action sequences, abundance of sex sequences, and everyone having just puffy, permed hair, mm, like yeah. perfect metal... <laughs> You know, arena rock hair. It's just like, what is, what is going on here? This is one thing that didn't make sense in the fantasy that they were trying to put on screen. And, and there might be a style that hangs over the substance of the film, but all of it is used as ammunition for creating lively characters, Conan most of all. I, I'm, we're going to go ahead and give Conan the Barbarian 1982 a 70 on the dot. Wow, that's really good score. It was a good flick. It was a good flick. Okay, these are both very surprising to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. 70 is a pretty damn good score, really. <laughs> yeah. And, and real talk, Conan gets some hate online. People think it's just this like 80s, you know, kind of... Schlock, just yeah. like me. That's how right, it Yeah, right. But I'm telling you, there was there was some... The love behind the production, I think, as a fantasy wow. watch this week, I, I was I was all right at home. Wow, okay, very cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. I don't know how I didn't see our next film either, but I've sure heard a lot about our next <laughs> film. We're going to move on. This is 2000s. This is Dungeons and Dragons. And I think we just need no. to get into it. I'm sure you have some on this yeah. film as well, why it was made or what the deal is. But <laughs> right. let's get into it. So it's it's 2000. It's it's PG-13, an hour and 47 minutes. It's Dungeons and Dragons. How did we like it? Uh, yeah, where, where do I even begin with this one? I'll come right out and say, I mean, this is a terrible terrible movie um and and often this dungeons and dragons from 2000 will circulate online as a as a so bad it's good on lists online uh either for its disgusting cgi and i really mean disgusting uh or laughable acting it's possible that maybe in a certain viewing you can see this is so bad it's good. I honestly would argue it's more of a soulless 90s fantasy film. And for how cookie cutter nearly all the aspects are, it really isn't so bad it's good. It's not even enjoyable. It's in that just kind of bad. Yeah, exactly. It's just bad. And I mean top to bottom bad. So usually I really like Jeremy Irons. Yeah, in it. Oh, I, we will get to Irons. <laughs> he's so good. But okay. unfortunately, he's also a little bad as well. <laughs> in a, or surrounded by a lot of bad. So with this film, the whole purpose was, I'm assuming, the game was like, it, it, it had its popularity. 
So yeah. let's 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 grab this IP yep. and let's make a movie of it. Absolutely, absolutely. I feel like a lot of '90s films uh, were were trying to do that. Does it feel very like Y2K too? <laughs> it just feels like Y2K schlock. Marlon Wayans definitely feels Y2K. Okay, <laughs> so you know he's doing like this discount Chris Tucker scream. Like his character is basically exclu- exclusively screaming okay. as, as his comedy <laughs> to it. So and yes, this is a comedy of all things. So it's it's really weird. Uh, usually. I mentioned the director to give recognition and see if there's some kind of stylistic threads. Uh, that is not the case here. Col- Courtney Sullivan has directed three films. All are trash. Okay. And this movie seems to be the start of it. So I, I, I just don't know how – I bring it up because I just don't know how a man has a career after – so many things like this, you know, I mean, <laughs> real, some real stinkers, but our story is about an evil wizard named Profion, uh, that wants to wield a staff to control all dragons. A defiant princess opposes his desire for power, which causes him to send a henchman after the staff that introduced four unlikely heroes that make up our D&D party, stumbling into collecting the staff as... At first for riches, uh, but then finding a greater purpose for their quest. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes here. <laughs> it's, it's really not great. It's not even great in the possibility of what D&D could be. I feel like it's just like, all right, you know. They had the CGI to do a bunch of dragons, and that was the right. pitch. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. It. That was it. <laughs> the world is high fantasy, not so much for its magic, but that you should be stoned out of your mind as a requirement to watch this film. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, it is a comedy, though. Marlon Wayans, like I said, is hired exclusively to scream, uh, and our A plot <laughs> is a kind of a sword-fighting, swashbuckling comedy adventure. And the B plot is dragon politics. Oh joy! Really, it's terrible. Like an early Game of Thrones, but yeah. but, but just absolutely right. garbage. Right, absolutely garbage. <laughs> absolutely garbage. Uh, this movie is like a lot of things. Believe it or not, I would say the closest this movie is is to something like an Aladdin because Jeremy huh. Irons' character is like a Jafar. He has a defiant princess that he has to get around to his schemes for his schemes to work. Okay. You know. And I, I guess, uh, yeah, again, I, I think this, this cookie cutter aspect, it's all over this film. You'll watch it and you, you can, you can spot something from another film. It seems bold. It certainly <laughs> seems like a bold vision, maybe. You're ruined for this one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bold. All right. It's, <laughs> it's bold in a different way. Uh, I would say, sadly, there is very, very little redeeming this experience. Uh, and uh, like I said, why I feel it, fails to be spig so bad it's good mm. um but why i think it is you know maybe saved from even a lower score uh, and a very big one is jeremy irons as the evil wizard profion he is so goddamn entertaining in this <laughs> irons is the whole ham he is a full sit down dinner of acting his ass yeah. off uh to the point that i would take an entire movie of this character. I mean, he is just so He's so good. Yeah. He just steals the scenes. Right. Not that the, not that anyone's trying to steal him away. <laughs> right. <even>. Right. <laughs> uh, he's just taking first prize by default. He's uh, so good at selling his characters. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know what it is. He's so compelling. Like he's yeah. great to watch. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm not joking. This is the most comical, mustache twirling, <laughs> over the top bad guy ever put on film. I think. Okay. You know, you look at a single scene of 
Jeremy Irons, and you will see an actor bathing in camp. He's he's bathing. In Let's it. let me see if I can go ahead and draw a comparison. Maybe sure. Not not having seen this, this Jeremy Irons character yep. compared to the bad guy in Wild Wild West. Ooh, uh, close. Okay, we're definitely within striking range. <laughs> Just so I know what we're dealing with here. Yep, that's all. Yep. Okay, I would say oof, that's good. That's, good, huh? that's good. Maybe we add in a little bit of Jim Carrey Joker from Batman Forever, Ooh. and that's the that's the mix. That's the mix. Okay, that's, yeah. That's how we get also all kind of around the same time a little bit. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, an object object of power in the scene, he's caressing it on his face. Um, someone opposes him, he shows his teeth and grips his fists in the air. Like, it, folks, I say in full sincerity, Jeremy Irons has almost the ability to save this film, uh, but cannot. I will pay handsomely for a fan edit of just him for my personal collection. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if that's how you want to produce, uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to take that as the donation. So. But sadly here, uh, there's almost countless problems with this movie. Um, uh, I'm going to try to breeze through these because, again, they're yeah, really... Yeah, just, just pull them out. Yeah, there's countless, countless okay. problems. The CGI looks like it's processed on a PS1. Uh, on the dragon specifically, you can just see how they're like a bunch of pudgy spheres put together. Mm. Like the dragons look so terrible. And like I said, I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine the elevator pitch for this is, oh, you know, we can put on like, you know, 20 to 30 dragons on screen as once. And they go, okay, what's an IP with dragons? Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how the game got this. I, no, I don't know. Maybe it was, this could have just been, again, Y2K, <laughs> tech, tech is out, and yep. George Lucas is is trying to take the crown with that. <laughs> So we have reboot of Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. Oh, going sure. On. Episode one's Lord, coming out. We have Lord of the Rings being made already while this is being made. Yep. We have Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> being made while this is being made. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. This is the birth of that early, early blockbuster CGI. Yep. Yep. And but they, a, they tried to a get bad on the, one. Yeah. <laughs> An to, ugly child. Tried to get on the on the train. Didn't yeah. happen. Without a doubt, some of the worst looking blood I have ever seen. Mm. I mean, this unironically looks like the ooze from the Power Rangers movie five years earlier. Wow. Uh, wow. And is trying to be serious. It's not like purple ooze. <laughs> it's it's supposed to be like blood. The set itself is a zero out of ten. I mean, some of the, the cheapest things I've ever seen. Um, some of the design here, especially the look of certain monsters from D&D at this time. I mean, maybe there's some slight credit there for... I don't know, capturing the specific brand of D&D, but I'm not kidding. You know, some of the shit looks like it's out of whose line is it anyway? Wow. It looks like it's out of props. Wow. I'm not joking. I'm loving these callbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one was real. <laughs> I was also struggling writing this one because it's like, where it's do so I start? Bad. Yeah, where do I start? Most of the creatures look like bad leftovers from Star Trek makeup and shows that I think they could probably, th they probably thought they could get away with a television level production that really just seeps into all uh, of what's bad with this as far as it being a comedy sometimes, a drama at other times, and this kind of fantasy thing whole wrapped up. It's, I, I will say it's not unlike the new one. The new one juggles a lot of balls in the air. Okay. Uh, but I now, feel... Now, don't you think that's inherent? That's almost... It, it, it's the Achilles heel of making a movie like this because the whole thing about Dungeons and Dragons is it goes it goes batshit crazy sure. at any turn. Yeah. And the yeah. rules are crazy and, and your game can go forever. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 
It is something. But, I feel, it's in the sauce. Okay. It's, it's, it's trying for sauce. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I think you bring up a good point, though, in that, you know, a D&D game is about improv. It's about kind of a ragtag type of plan. Yeah, you don't want put it to together. Be, you don't want it to be tame. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, it's just this this one is uh, is something else. Um, folks, this is a hard pass uh, and sadly does not come close to a So Bad It's Good uh, nomination. Uh, little is done to give a nod to the tabletop game, and even less is given to competent filmmaking. We're going to go ahead and give Dungeons & Dragons 2,000. Oh, I think that's a, I think that's a 13. Oh, oh. <laughs> A thirteen percent, really? On the D twenty, no. Wow. Yeah, that sound that you just heard, by the way, was same was a twenty sided die, <laughs> being audio only. Being, yeah, yeah, no visuals. <laughs> a thirteen percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the worst films that we've ever reviewed, man. Uh, yeah, it's real bad. Thirteen percent's really bad. I, I could go on almost an hour of just dissecting this film, but that's you know, I mean, and that's with an amazing Jeremy Irons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for real. I that's that's where I say. Wow. I mean, Jeremy Irons probably saves this from below, you know, a, a single digit score, basically. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this and, is this is some of the yeah definitely <laughs> bottom ten. I would say. Yeah. I think bottom ten. Yeah, yeah. It's it's bad, folks. Dungeons and Dragons, thirteen <laughs> percent. Stay away from it. Do not waste your time. I mean, maybe watch a highlight reel of Irons. That's about it. You know, that is about it. Wow. Okay, that's (laughs) terrible. We'll move on from that. Folks, we just want to remind you, uh, we're going off the value for value model here. So are you getting value in the website, checking it out? Are you getting value listening to the podcast? If you could, you go to thedailyratings.com, you head to the donations tab, and through monetary support, you become a producer of the daily ratings, and you show us what value you're getting. So you go ahead, pick any number you want, whether it's a set number that we have, whether it's a reoccurring donation, whatever specific number for whatever reason that you want. Uh, you send it our way, you write in a note, and we're going to read the note here, too. Whether it's questions, comments, critiques, uh, love, hate, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's uh, If you're going to take the time to send us some cash, go ahead and write a note. We're going to read it here. Uh, and we want to hear from you more than anything. We really do. Yeah. We really want to hear from you. We want to have this open dialogue with you. Again, the more we grow, the more content-rich this segment of the podcast is going to get. Mm-hmm. And it's going to mm-hmm. be, It's. I think it's going to be really fun. I think people are going to be absolutely in, into kind of listening to it. So anyway, that's how that's how we kind of do it. It's dailyratings.com. Again, at the, at the donations tab, um, I'll just remind everybody again, sign up for the newsletter down at the bottom of the site. You just go put in your put in your first name and your, your email. You'll just be asked to confirm that. And then you'll be good to go. And the newsletter is going to be coming out on a weekly basis. It's a great way to start out the week. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not going to try to just pitch things to you or try to get you to whatever, get money from you or sell <laughs> products for right. you. No, it's just it's interesting, fun stuff that I think it's just going to be a joy to kind of take 10 minutes and go through a good way to start the week. That might have some issues with it. So it'll come out about two weeks or something like sure. that. Uh, other than that, thank you so much for those of you who have produced daily ratings. Don't forget another way to be, to just be a producer is get us out there you know if you hear a conversation going out going on about movies go ahead and get us in the conversation that's where we want to be that's kind of what i always say so thank you so much and with that vin i i did want to i did want to give the give the little ending note from from last week if that's cool with you oh yes okay yes last week you had something to say and you said we'll save it for this week <laughs> yeah so this yeah. goes now okay so this was around a dungeons and dragons trailer and i would say an interesting trend i've been noticing trailers when i've had the patience to watch them yeah is there's a lot more text on screen from critics 
this is a trend that I think is coming back that they, really? they, it, it's just shy of a voiceover saying the text and like a, you know, a voiceover type of, yeah. The New uh, York times says exactly. Right. But they're still on uh, text on screen. And you know, there was a lot of bullshit, but one caught my eye for a very specific reason. And it said a thrilling ride that begs to be seen. Tell me what the hell does that mean? <laughs> what does, what, what does a movie begging to be seen I, uh, that, entail? That means that film is so good. It's begging. It's begging for you to see it. <laughs> so so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kicked that around. I think that's a great, great way to, to explain it. But I, I, Tom, I think I want to install a, a buzzer, a bullshit buzzer that you will have on your side of the table. Okay. That yeah. if you ever hear something come out of my mouth that doesn't track or anything like that, uh, you hit the buzzer and <laughs> you can, you can tell me to maybe let's, let's go over it one more time or maybe let's try that. Okay. I think we can make that work. <laughs> Something like that. I do. Well, I don't want it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't want the uh, the uh, the drum roll. Maybe my phone going off in the background with that one. <laughs> um, so you just want me to call BS? You want me to hit, you want me to hit the buzzer BS? I want yeah. If I hear some. Anything that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Okay, that's good. And and the example is a movie that begs to be seen. I I, I have no idea what that means. Okay, so Uh, I'll make sure to keep you honest. Yeah. Make sure you don't. You're not too big for your britches. Yeah. Make sure you're not trying to just give us some critic bullshit. (laughs) Right. Right. Something like that. Because that's when you know that's that's a problem. That's good. That'd be fun to keep our eye out for some too. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it gets a better product. I I can laugh at myself. If I do say something up my own ass like that, but what was the one for Maverick? It wasn't text on screen, but it, the one commercial, the the uh, the narrating voice was something like "you'll you'll leave the theater high five <laughs> high fiving your friend yep. or something like that." Bingo, bingo. <laughs> uh, another one from this D and D one was uh, a crowd pleaser that actually pleases. <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. Dumb. That's so dumb. Stop, these... stop talking like that. That's not a. That's not a. That's not valuable you know, yeah, as a critic. Yeah. Also, stay away from these critics. Like yeah. every single Rotten Tomato verified critic or whatever oh, yeah. that is. These guys that just try to get one liners. These like those yep. guys. Wet dream <laughs> is, is being to, on that trailer. Is to be on that trailer. Yep. Exactly right. Uh, that's really funny. No, I'll try to. I'll try to point that yeah, out to you. Yeah, you can keep me honest. I, I think that's that's you know that's that's an important thing to do. You know, I want to keep it real. <laughs> okay, that sounds good to me. All right, but uh, yeah, we have newly re- the newly released. <laughs> yeah, we can get back to Dungeon and Dragons: Honor Among Theme Thieves. Which Honor Among Thieves? It, correct me if I'm wrong. That was an Uncharted game. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's Uncharted Two. Honor Among Thieves. Yeah, it's also a line in the 2000s Dungeons and Dragons. So I don't know if it's callback. Most likely, it's just uh, the start of a of a cinematic universe. Oh, know? wonderful! Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so how did we like the newly released Dungeons and Dragons films? I'm conflicted. Okay. So wait, you saw it? No. Oh, okay. You were about to surprise I, I, <laughs> me. I'm, I'm on the verge of maybe wanting to go see it because I love Chris Pine. Okay. Love Fair. Chris Pine. Fair. However, what's her face is in this? And I hate her. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez. And I hate Michelle Rodriguez. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, let's just go ahead and get into it. How did you like it? Yeah, so um, I think this movie has basically 
a lot of little positives. I just don't know if those little positives add up to a good movie. That's where I'm kind of conflicted with this. Hmm. John Francis Daly and uh, Jonathan Goldstein are a director duo that did Vacation in 2015 and then also Game Night in 2018. Um, there's a lot of hype around Game Night. I've never seen it. But uh, this duo seems to be going after some sort of kind of Guardians of the Galaxy vibe where these are ragtag characters, equally funny and emotional, put against blockbusters stakes uh that's kind of the you know if i did give a skeleton structure of what this film is it feels like mm -hmm. the story is a kind of a distracted zigzag journey uh to get chris pine's daughter away from all sorts of evil including charlatans and powerful warlocks alike um while he starts with only one loyal companion michelle rodriguez a barbarian in his group uh, the adventuring party grows to include many D&D classes uh, to try to kind of slap together a heist plan to take back his daughter. And that's basically our setup here. Let's start with some positive as, like I said, I think there's a lot of little nice touches. Some for fans, some just plain good. But I, I, I'm almost at a little bit of a, I don't know, an indecisive moment of if it really does add up into a good movie on its own for that. This is about as high fantasy as you can get. Magic, mystical races, artifacts, monsters, it has it all. I really appreciate the variety of fantasy races here. A big highlight being non-humanoid characters and not all we CGI either. We have some good puppet work, which okay. I enjoy, and uh, uh, maybe is a byproduct coming off of my Mandalorian and things like that. So uh, enjoy seeing that. Uh, of course, uh, some great creature shout-outs for anyone that is even remotely familiar with the tabletop game uh, is instantly recognizable on screen. We, of course, have the Mimic, the Displacer Beast, Gelatinous Cube, you know, there's some really good shout-outs here, and they're used in very creative ways. The rules of the monster are pretty much identical to what they are in, in the tabletop game, and how that's used in fun, creative ways for problem-solving with the party, that was a big highlight for me. I enjoyed that. Uh, I would say the druid of their party, played by Sophia Lillis, she was the, the girl from It and uh, a few other things, a few other horror films, has a great sequence with the spell Wild Shape. She's a druid, so she can transform into these animals. Quintessential animal is the owl bear. Yes, this is um, the one that's been most talked about. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, and she can transform in anything from a worm, a rat, a hawk, you know, at, the, at, at her will, basically. And honestly, it was probably my favorite sequence out of the whole film, dedicating to this wild shape. She has to kind of mm. escape, and she's going into various different things, various different forms. Uh, and it was it was it was a good look. It was a, it was a good sequence. And again, once again, I think true to you know. Anyone that's played a druid wants to wild shape into a, a, an animal that can kick ass. So uh, it was it was a fun moment for the for the film uh, and true to it. Uh, I would say the script also makes a lot of conscious effort to make you know D and D jokes and memes you would hear in real life around the table playing with that's friends. That's cool. I, yeah. It's nice to hear that maybe these writers really knew what they were doing or, yeah. or understood the game really well. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. uh, there's some shout outs to other type of community content creators in the D&D community. Right. There's 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 a lot there done to obviously the story isn't about a bunch of nerds in a basement sitting around a table right. And right, role right. playing. It is going the extra step though to try to tell some jokes around the the, the game itself if yeah. you will. You know what's funny about this is this is what I wanted out of the uncharted movie. Oh, really? I okay. wanted more care into the writing. I wanted to yeah. feel connected to the game 
for the real fans of what this movie yep. is or why the movie even existed, which yep. was the call from fans to please make this into a movie. Sure, sure. So that's nice to hear that some care is being taken care of. Too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The interaction between the adventuring party as scrappy and chaotic. You know, I, I'm not in love with the writing here, but there is a real life improv that defines every D and D campaign, and mm. going off the rails and seeing to how you can slap it together. And once again, this film does have a nod; it tries to capture that a little bit. You know, while these all aspects, I think they definitely add up to a decent fan film. I, I just don't think this was a great movie, and I'm even one of those fans. Interesting. You know? I was able to recognize a lot of these good qualities, and folks at home, this is a perfect example of if what I'm saying is really jiving with you, and you are a Dungeons & Dragons fan, and you want to see this on screen and come to life, go watch the movie. I just don't know if I can call this a great movie on its own. So uh, where was it lacking? Where 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 was just things lackluster, basically? Uh, definitely all writing. Uh, okay. All in the writing of these characters, the writing of the jokes, pacing of the film. It was all really where it mattered. Honestly, <laughs> so it had very good nods to the actual right. game. Cute Ex- little additions, right? But execution not there, right? Okay. Even even you know, not surprising. In multiples of these cute, uh, cute little nods, I don't think they add up to a you know a great movie. Okay, is where I'm coming from. The first forty minutes is very clumsy as an intro, and with more exposition that. Honestly, I could I could barely even I could barely even come to pay attention to um, bad writing. I really really think plagues the whole experience. There are huge gaps left in the dialogue for laughs that, in my theater specifically, were met with ear, eerie silence. Uh, like the crowd was almost embarrassed for the film. <laughs> uh, and you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be laughing anyway. But again, that's one of those moments that I'm I'm thankful for going into a theater experience. You know. And, How packed yeah. was your theater? I'm presuming a decent crowd. Yeah, I saw a really late showing though. Oh, okay, so all right. It was, it was, it was. Maybe they were just a little bit more empty then. Yeah, maybe they were actually just <laughs> asleep. And, and worst of all is, it's kind of surprisingly boring. Like I said, that first forty minutes, it's kind of a little pulling teeth. The movie has a lot of cuts and flashbacks to big action, big battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mythical creatures attacking. Uh, there's a there's a big battle with a with a with a dragon um, that is shown off. But when we come back from those cuts and flashbacks, the actual action of the main party, the progressing plot, is dedicated to comedy, and it takes a long time for this film to give us actually worthwhile anything worthwhile. When we're in the real progressing plot with the party, for a while the film is just bouncing back to those as kind of. You know, they'll, they're going to give you what you want in these flashbacks, but then actually what is happening is just all comedy mm. and jokes and, you know, trying to be Marvel kitsch, basically. I was going to say, yeah, it's coming off very marvel yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't stress enough, if there is any comparison to this film, uh, it is probably Guardians of the Galaxy, just in how ragtag the crew is. I think that's a great comparison. Yeah, different walks of life, funny, emotional, and then blockbuster stakes, you know, th- yeah, that, that's yeah. that's kind of the James Gunn triangle, basically, so... Hmm. It's funny. Uh, we have Guardians three coming out too next month, yeah. and from what I understand, it's like not tracking well. It's, oh, really? It, yeah, it's, they're not expecting too much. I don't think out of it at this point. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And we're seeing the, the think, fall of Marvel, maybe. I've, Amen. Well, <laughs> diminished returns for sure. <laughs> yeah. But also, I just don't know if an audience is. Maybe the audience is asking for more. Like, it, yeah. like this probably could have been way better or funnier and. 
Mm-hmm. I just writing has really just taken a hit in big blockbuster Hollywood in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's just it's it's the copycat game ultimately. Just how two thousands Dragon yeah. Dungeons and Dragons was trying to copycat everything nineties. This feels like a very copycat of a, a lot of blockbusters, and especially down to that bloated title, you can feel it. You can feel it in the air. Yeah. That they're trying to, <laughs> you know, Hasbro wants that cinematic universe. So, um, you know, uh, Transformers is all said and done. So uh, I would say, uh, just just going back to a little bit of, again, how, how the editing and how the flashbacks work in it, I would say it makes the main story just really drag. And, and all while the driving force for the plot Chris Pine getting his daughter back gets weaker and weaker as moments go by. Huh. Every joke, I cared less about the daughter. And yet, when we get to the daughter, the film really wants to be emotional and really about oh, okay, family. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels manufactured. Most of all, actors, I would say, are meh to very bad. But I think this falls mostly on the writing. It's not really performances as much as we joke um, about Michelle. On. Michelle Rodriguez has to be garbage. <laughs> She's actually not terrible. You know who's the worst is Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's oh, definitely no, the worst. really? Yeah, no, yeah. that's a shame. Uh, Hugh Grant definitely embodies the uh, the out of place jokes uh, as, as much. But as But Michelle possible. Rodriguez can't act. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. She does some brawling in this. Oh. She, she does do some brawling. Yeah, good. So. She's a good little pit bull. <laughs> uh, how was Chris Pine? Uh, Chris Pine was all right. I, I would say it's all meh. But unfortunately, he kind of falls into that joke pitfall. Again, yeah, so. uh, he surprises me so much because I watched some of his stuff that he's in, even uh-huh. some of the Star Trek movies. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, boy, you put any other actor his age at this time in the movie, it would be probably garbage. Mm. He's able to sell, I don't know, inherently kind of goofier things <laughs> or plot lines, which is yeah. just like, all right, you know, talk about yeah. space stuff here. He sells it. Yeah, he's like really good at being high emotion or high intensity or acting like he actually cares, like the character cares. Yeah, yeah. That's what's impressive to me about him. And I would say he's, uh, when those emotional beats come, uh, he's good. Uh, he's also, I would say, good as kind of a party leader in this. So That's uh, what I would want to see him. Keeping yeah. everyone together. Yeah, maybe that that is hitting on the same shade as, like you said, with the Star Trek movies and whatnot. Right, yeah. But yeah, I I would say most of the time, the comedy is out of place. Hugh Grant, uh, again, a great example of this. He's this, you know, he has to be this manipulative rogue operating at a high level, but then proceeds to be just a bumbling idiot idiot in every Mm. scene. And Mm. it just, it feels like bad character writing and it wouldn't be a blockbuster without that shoehorn family theming um and the friends we made along the way <laughs> that's basically you know that same type of uh, campiness that's coming out here so sadly I, f- I i think this film is an imitator just like the last one granted with near infinite more polished charm and fan appeal <laughs> so don't get spooked this isn't getting in the teens or anything like that <laughs> But like I said already, I mean, you can feel it in the setup of this film. You can feel it in the naming of itself, that very not long name. Uh, you see the seeds of a cinematic universe being fisted into theaters by Hasbro. We're going to go ahead and give us a long title. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Oh, oh boy. Uh, that's, a, that's a 52. A 52 <laughs> on a 20-sided die. Fantastic. No, Doing damage die. Oh, you got the whole. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Writing some down here. Good. All right, fifty-two percent. Yeah, I can't say I'm too surprised and not excited to see it now. Ah, uh, yeah. But I mean, that's how that is. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. excited in the beginning, but again, I thought, what if 
what if, you know what I mean? Sure. Again, I I was able to have a good appreciation for this being a fan film. I'm just curious what non-fans think of this, honestly. So Yeah, do are non-fans gonna see this as hey, this is a fun, good action yeah. family comedy flick. Or maybe even the introduction to because this has a lot of rave online. This is people Of course it does. In addition to the the schlock that we mentioned with the no, trailer. I know, but of course it does. Yeah, yeah. This, this film is ripe for that. It's just like true. when Guardian Street comes out, it's gonna do very well. Yeah. On a tomatoes because of the the Sony fanboys, yeah, or the, yeah. the Marvel, yeah, yeah, really the Marvel <laughs> fanboys, yeah, yeah. And okay, then you got the gun fanboys, right? <laughs> There's a lot of fanboys, but yeah, I, I even folks at home, um, uh, you, even if you just want to write into us, um, I'm just curious if you do end up seeing this movie and not a D and D fan, or if you are. I'd uh, be curious of this one, just because I feel like, again, there was a lot of cuteness. There was a lot of cool nods. I don't know if that substance, His execution though. was bad. Yeah, I yeah. think that's like a fun, okay, nice, but it's a flavor at most. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So that's 52% for Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Did you know about the celebrity D&D crew? Oh. There's this kind of like, what? this crew that get, that gets together, like popular, popular people. Really? Mm-hmm. And play D&D? Mm-hmm. Who is that? So some of the names are... <laughs> I, I believe Vin Diesel is a huge D&D fan. Really? Yes, swear to God. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so this is not this crew. So apparently there's this celebrity crew that gets together. Some of One of them is Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> the guitarist? The guy, yeah. The guy who has set it up is uh, Joe Mang- Manganiello. Oh. He's the he's one of the Magic Mike dancers. I, I think, <gasps> yes. yes. And he's been on Critical Role. He's Yeah, he's a huge D&D head. Yeah, huge D&D head. Yeah. And, of course, not to mention uh, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Is a big D is a big D and D guy, and he plays with these guys. A connective tissue <laughs> to next week. <laughs> Love my Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Okay. All right, Vince. So we're gonna go ahead into our last film here. I was happy to see this on. I just watched this trailer. Yep. Um, and I, it, it kind of looked good. It's for Apple TV. Yep. It yep. is. It is Apple TV, but it's it's brand new. It just came out. This is called Tetris. It's by John S. Baird. Let's just get right into it. What made you pick this, and how was it? Uh, yeah, I, I think I picked this just because originally I maybe thought this was going to be paired with Mario, but, you know, I mean, I, I needed more new releases this week, so I was like, all right, let me watch Oh, it. okay, me, all right. Let me dive into the hell of Apple TV. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. You hate it. You yeah. hate it. Uh, director Jonas Bear has a good run of films. Uh, I hear great things about the movie Filth from 2013, which has been, on honestly, on my list for a minute now. Even though this was kind of a you know Apple TV app trigger fight or flight response out of me. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I thought this was a, a good one to add to this week. So being all being all nerdy and whatnot. The movie tells the journey of taking Tetris worldwide and out of the icy cold grip of the Soviet Union. But good ideas have no borders, and Tetris being one of the biggest games of all time, it cannot be contained. There is a scramblingness. Uh, there is a um, a whole slew of uh, players involved and hands in the pot uh, around Tetris because from from the word go, basically, it was something that people understood how addictive it was, hmm. uh, how good of a puzzle game it was, and for the time, uh, you know, there wasn't like a huge amount of competition, so uh, it was really revolutionary. We follow real-life game designer Hank Rogers, uh, played by Taron Egerton, in business meetings and car chases alike to secure licensing rights for Tetris. I would... Um, 
loosely put this in a camp with like um you know a sexy finance type of film like a money ball oh, maybe yeah. social network you yeah. know it's about business basically okay the film tries to open this up into a little bit more of a kind of a blockbustery way I think that's a little it, bit of it, a misstep for it but that's the that's the core of this it, here yeah it felt like a good serious movie uh, and I, I, oh no uh, I mean it's and yeah. I liked it because it's like the backdrop is like just Tetris. Yeah. But it's, it, I don't know. It seemed like a good, this isn't documentary feel, correct? No, no, This no. is actual, this is definitely movie feel. Yeah. Movie yeah. feel tries to tell a, a, a based on a true story type of thing. And right. like I said, it, it does kind of lose its way at the end okay. in trying to make a little bit more of a blockbustery feel to it. But I can't blame it because I don't know, you know, you want the razzle dazzle. So. Right. Right. And how, how, captivated can be the origins of tetris B. right right once they get signed the contract it's done right you know what I mean? so, <laughs> they, they gotta they gotta do right. give one last one last push <laughs> a lot is riding on egerton's performance here uh and honestly he brings like a giddy excitement that helps the pacing of the film i i, I honestly don't know much more uh about uh, hank rogers uh just being a an old uh game developer he brings a lot of excitement to this and uh of course you know that manic business businessman aspect you know it, it plays into what we know the legend of tetris to be so i think it's a good match uh he's flying all over the world for just some game and uh i think there is a you know there is a, a coming truth that uh we know it's going to be the one of the most sold games of all time right, basically right. historically tetris was skyrocketed in popularity by being bundled with the launch of the original game boy this story has a who's who of recognizable software and hardware companies that make it an interesting throwback uh, just how much nintendo is in this yeah i bet um I mean, I watched this pretty late in the week, so I couldn't really adjust some of the movies I covered, but um, it made me want to try to get other Nintendo type of things. Uh, there's that old movie, The Wizard, where they, they see uh, Super Mario 3 for the first time. Oh, uh, okay. I wanted to maybe kind of tie that together, but, you know. I like this era of game. Like, I've always been into this era of game stuff. Like, yeah. I've always like in- watching documentaries of it. Yep. I just like some of the older games, like, yeah. like Galaga. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Folks, if you don't know, Tom will wipe the floor with you on Galaga. There's a small chance. There's a small chance of it. I'm not good at many things. I will brag about my Galaga playing. Yeah, he's very good. But there's always, I've always been into it. I don't know if it's like old G4 stuff, if they would do specials on Donkey Kong or something like that. I don't know. It, It strikes a certain chord. And this stuff always kind of interests me. Yeah. Uh, that the origins of Atari, the origins of something like yep. this, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's fun. Pixels, the great Adam Sandler movie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but unfortunately, that was also maybe close to a watch. Was- <laughs> <laughs> but you're so right, and I think this works as one of those kind of semi-business movies because it's the it's it's the starting of the industry yeah. or, or it's it's the early days where there's a lot of excitement it's it's the wild west you who knows who's going to come out on top that, that is exactly what i was just trying to say and you summed it up much yeah. quicker it's also why i like the amc show halt and catch fire oh which really? almost okay. no one gives a damn about but yeah. it's a great show yeah because it's like early programming it's early stuff. internet early computers yeah. and just like you said the wild west and now we would look at these machines and it's so basic and <laughs> simplistic and yeah. whatever but yeah. it is it's, it's the creation of 
what this massive thing is going to be. Yeah, and Tetris just being an early video game. I don't know. Something, I've always liked it. I don't know. That's yeah. why I was intrigued as soon as I saw this trailer just last night. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this might be a watch. Yeah. I, I think this is a good streaming watch. Uh, and, and if anything, just tying back, that excitement is is sold through Egerton's performance. Most of the film operates in high-end business negotiations with a lot of the conflict being driven by the KGB getting in the middle of everything in Soviet, in Soviet Russia. The business side of this kind of plays off this time capsule well as the licensing fight is true to life. Uh, if there's one thing that that is is absolutely uh, true to the story is the licensing struggle over Tetris, uh, mm-hmm. as it was a mess, not by a lot of hands in the pot, but more so by, uh, you know, the Soviet Union not letting anything go and people having false contracts and it being very messy uh, for how to proceed forward with it. Like any true story, catching the real-life aspects is one of the more enjoyable parts. Um, uh, I would say the story does slip into some unrealistic situations for the sake of drama towards the end, but um, where the film was working, where I think it's a good streaming watch is uh, exactly in this, um, you know, kind of spotting the, the real history to mm-hmm. the film. Yeah. So. The conflict introduced by the KGB feels very manufactured, though, and where otherwise this true story gets a bit cartoonish. Especially towards the end, it feels like the film wants to have a bombastic finale, Honestly, it's where it got a little bit weaker for me. I totally understand how, you know, a streaming film, no less, to maybe cut through the noise needs a razzle-dazzle. And it's tempting to inject that into a story, but I feel the subject material had enough to survive on its own because Tetris is legendary, you know? There's a cute 8-bit art style all over this film, especially for scene and setting transitions. Uh, basically, anytime they jump in location, and he jumps a lot in location, he's, he's a very manic businessman, he flies everywhere. They're all handled through a pixel aesthetic. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I would say most of the time this works. Sometimes it, it, I feel like it wasn't varied enough. I felt like they were just kind of reusing a lot of stuff. Yes, he does go back to those locations, but... I don't know. It, it just felt like uh, I, I was wanted a little bit more out of this pixel aesthetic okay. because I thought it was a, a good highlight of the film. Overall, I'm kind of coming away with this film saying there's really much worse you can watch and spend your time with on streaming. I just wish this one kind of picked a lane in its presentation. True, true story on the biopic of a game or this international escape adventure. Um, either way, we have yet another middle-of-the-road offering for streaming, and maybe maybe a tipping point for you getting that Apple TV subscription. We're going to go ahead and give Tetris a 60 on the dot. Okay, 60% for Tetris. I think I'm going to watch it. I think it might scratch that itch Yeah. of that early internet, early game stuff kind yeah, of itch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I like that. And, I mean, I have Apple free for a little bit. And it's, oh, really? I watch Severance, really Live like Severance. Up. Live it up. There is some good stuff on there. I think they <laughs> lack most in movie. Like, I think their shows are really good. Sure. I think they're lacking on the movie department. Yeah, This is, might be the first one I'm actually interested in. Okay. So, but okay, that's 60 percent for tetris vin looking at this list here is there anything else you'd like to add are we going to roll credits here no uh, i mean uh, the only thing is i'll say i'm excited for birthday week i already got a couple films <laughs> under my belt oh, you do yeah <laughs> i'm an early bird but no it'll be a fun time yeah next week the birthday yeah the birthday movies very exciting <laughs> very exciting any last minute changes or or is that uh, it says ironclad we ain't <laughs> I texted Vin like the day after that he episode said, came out, and I was just like, I, I just, for some reason, I thought of these two movies. Yeah. 
Are we? Are you going to watch a six? Are you going to? D- oh, uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I so really actually do want to watch Blood Diamond, but um, I, I don't. So know. it doesn't matter. I had just we're doing the four. Okay. And then, as we said, if if you wanted to do a fifth, if you had time, because on top of the Super Mario coming yep, out, yep. it's either going to be Blood Diamond or Body of Lies. <laughs> you pick Blood Diamond. But the next day, I was just like, I just thought of two such better films. <laughs> That you could choose between, but it doesn't matter. You're probably not going to watch them anyway. Uh, well, give me uh, a mummy. Come I don't on. Know. I don't think oh, I for next it's year. No, okay. <laughs> so the two was the 1944 film Gaslight. Oh, and you've, you've told I, I, me that for, and for a I've, while. Yeah, I've talked to that. Yeah, I can't believe it wasn't on the birthday thing. But Gaslight basically, because a year ago, Gaslight was used more in the media. Oh, yeah. That was like the biggest. It's a buzzword. Yeah, if there was that word, if there was like the word bubble mm-hmm. thing, or the yep. bigger the bubble is when the word was most used in the internet, and then it goes <laughs> yeah. on. The- so now woke would be there. Yeah, yeah. But gaslight was being so overused, and people were using it incorrectly. Yeah. And it got ga- the term gaslight when you still hear it in politics or news anchors talking heads mm-hmm. say it. It refers to the 1944 film Gaslight, right? Because the idea is, I believe the premise is. A man wants to collect the life insurance on his wife, doesn't want to commit the murder, so he wants to drive her insane oh. by having her commit suicide. Gaslighting her. <laughs> right. And the, and the thing is, it, and the whole idea of gaslight in modern-day politics yep. is you saying something happened or didn't happen or saying something is a certain way when it's so clearly the opposite. Right. right. So one of the ways that this guy would make his wife crazy slowly is, uh, for instance, back when people were using actual gaslighting. To mm. light their to light mm-hmm. their homes, mm-hmm. he would say, "Oh, like oh, you already turned the gaslight off at the top of the steps or something like that." But really, she just didn't messing with her, and it would just slowly drive her crazy. <laughs> so that because I th- it was topical. Yep, yeah. Again, we talked about it a year ago because it was more. It more is top- on a list. I will get to it. Eventually. Oh, okay. It was more topical back then, and then I, I it just had to be because like John Wick was on my mind or something like yep. that. But uh, the replacements <laughs> with, with Keanu Reeves and the great Gene Hackman. <laughs> That was in replacements. Oh, that's why replacements are on my mind. There was there was photos that came up of Gene Hackman. Like he's still alive. He's like ninety three, uh-huh, I think. Uh-huh. And people were just like, oh, the first time we saw Gene Hackman out and about. And it's literally just like the worst photographs of him eating a Wendy's chicken sandwich <laughs> oh, in the vehicle. No. He doesn't look anything like Gene Hackman either. Oh right, it right. Was sad to see, kind of. Yeah. But he's still around. Anyway. Doesn't matter now. We're not doing the sixth film, probably, and we already picked. <laughs> Those are two very topical ones. I don't know if they'll, we'll save exactly. them for Exactly. We year. already picked. Yeah, we already picked Blood Diamond. So, okay. Vin, thank you so much for watching these films. <laughs> yep. Thanks for stopping by. Folks at home, we'll run it down one more time. We have the animated The Hobbit with a 65%, Conan the Barbarian with a 70 Dungeons and Dragons with a 13 Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves with a 52 and finally, Tetris with a 60%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us? If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings for Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors, so we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.